take our Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, if you would please. Deuteronomy chapter number 5. The word Deuteronomy means second law or the second giving of the law. And this book is really the account of Moses preparing the nation of Israel to go into the promised land. If you remember, when they had first come out of Egypt and there, because of their unbelief, decided not to go into the promised land, the Lord uh, essentially sentenced them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and uh, those who were 20 years old and upward at that time would die in the wilderness with the exception of Caleb and Joshua. And so those who are entering into the promised land now uh, in the book of Deuteronomy and, of course, Joshua, we read of the conquests as they go in there. This is a, a generation that was either uh, not alive or at least were, were young, were young adults or children uh, at the time of all of that taking place. And so the book of Deuteronomy is really Moses kind of reiterating to the nation the things that they probably should have known but maybe didn't. And he's reminding them of how they ought to behave and how they ought to live when they come into the promised land. And we come to Deuteronomy 5, and he begins to, to talk with them about the, uh, the giving of the law, specifically the Ten Commandments, those commandments that God gave to him in Exodus chapter 20 as he was on Mount Sinai. And he's going to begin to somewhat rebuke them and, and kind of uh, remind them of the hardness of the hearts of the nation and address them as a nation. So if you're in Deuteronomy 5, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able to do so for the reading of the scripture. Deuteronomy 5, we're going to begin reading in verse number 22. So after he has just talked about the, the law, he goes over the Ten Commandments and, and the things that the Lord commanded them there. And he says in verse 22, These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness with a great voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, please listen to these words, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness. Think of those words. <laughs> and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man and he liveth. Th those words ought to cause us to shout hallelujah. We have a living God, and God talks to man. He, he actually deals with us that God would... We, we've been talking today about God condescending to us, to reach us. I'm thankful that God is not some aloof, distant being somewhere out there that, that is uninterested in the affairs of man. But He is very, very much interested and very much engaged and active in each of our lives every day. We serve a living God... Now, he, they say these words, and you would think that they would be rejoicing, but when we read the next verse, 
We see the hardness of their hearts because look at what they say. After making that great statement that they've seen the greatness of God and the glory of God and they've heard His voice and they know that He talks with man and that He liveth, verse 25, they say, Now therefore, why should we die? For if this, for this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh? that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived. Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when he spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Listen to these words from God. Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go say to them, get you into your tents again. But as for thee... Stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not, a turn, uh, ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, we come before you tonight just thankful and privileged to be able to open your word and, and read and understand and hear tonight the revelation of God to man. But Lord, we've come also with expectant hearts, desirous, Lord, that your spirit would take the truth of your word and drive it home into our hearts individually, and that you would speak to us specifically about our lives. And Father, tonight I pray that you would just enable me as your vessel to simply preach your word, and I pray that your spirit would apply it to our lives, Lord, that we would hear from you tonight. May we be able to leave here with some semblance of, of what the nation of Israel was able to see, that we have seen the greatness and glory of our God and we know that he lives and that he talks to man. Lord, may we hear from you tonight, I pray. Work in our midst and fulfill your will in each of us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's puzzling to me how someone could enter into an entire nation that was called by the name of the Lord could enter into the presence of God and ver verbally, I mean, with their ears, audibly hear the voice of God speaking to them, seeing His majesty and His glory as an entire mountain was consumed with fire and smoke because of the glory of God that had descended upon it, to be in that place and to have God speaking to them and inviting them to come into fellowship with Him and live in obedience to Him, it's amazing to me that they could walk away from that with the attitude that they would say, we're not interested in experiencing that ever again. 
personally, when, when I have had the privilege of, of God dealing with me directly about things and God speaking to me, not in an audible voice, but in very clear and evident ways at times the Lord has dealt with me about things and, 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 and I, I'm sure you've experienced that as well and I don't know about you, but when that happens, I just want some more. <laughs> I just crave it more. When, when God speaks to me, I mean, it's just such a powerful thing and such a tremendous thing. It, it's puzzling to me how a people could possibly reject that and deny it and, and say that they didn't want to experience that again. But that's exactly what the nation of Israel had done. God had called out a people for himself. And he had told them that he would be a father unto them, that they would be his sons and daughters. He told them that, that he gave them a law and, and commandments that they could live by these, these commandments and that he would bless them. And he had promised to bring them into a, a land of blessing and promise. And it was a tremendous relationship that God desired to have with his people. And yet, sadly, his people didn't desire it in the same way that God did. While that may seem strange to us, the reality is that many people who name the name of Christ are much like the nation of Israel, to where they're not necessarily so desirous of living and dwelling in the presence of the Lord and experiencing the Lord speaking to them and leading them and guiding them. The reality is that we as human beings sometimes are content to kind of go through life distant from God. We want to live in His blessings. We want to see His hand at work, but we're a little bit apprehensive sometimes to maybe pay the price and, and make the sacrifices that are necessary to really draw nigh unto the Lord and personally fellowship with him. And I just want you to know that when we are like the, the children of Israel here, that as, as Moses is recounting what happened there, we, when we kind of distance ourselves from God from one, for one reason or another, when we fail to draw nigh unto him as he has invited us to do, we miss out on some tremendous blessings. The nation of Israel missed out on some incredible uh, blessings that God wanted to give to them. And I want to look at some of the things that we see in this passage tonight about the nation of Israel. And, and just my request to you would be that each of us would allow the Spirit of God to search our own hearts and ask ourselves, am I like these people? Am I willing to live distant from God? I want you to notice, first of all, that these people were content to let someone else go to God for them. Look at verse number 27. As they say here to Moses, the children of Israel say to Moses, Go thou near, and hear all that the Lord our God shall say, and speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee, and we will hear it, and listen to this, and do it. Now, the heart of these people, at least as far as they knew, and, and on the outside, what they, were, what they were trying to say was this, Moses, it's not that we want to be rebellious against God. It's not that we want to just live our own lives for ourselves. We're willing to do what God expects of us. We're willing to follow his commandments. We're willing to, to do what he tells us to do. 
but we're not willing to go into his presence. And the reason that they, they said that, and that we'll talk about this in a moment, was that they, they said that they were fearful. They said if we go into the presence of God, we're going to die. We're going to be killed there because God is too great. And I can say to you, this had to have been a traumatic experience. To, to see visibly with their eyes this mountain that was on fire and to hear with their ears the voice of God speaking out. And, and I'm sure it was a fearful thing and a traumatic experience. But the nation of Israel said, we don't want that. We are willing to do what is necessary and to do what God commands us, but we're not willing to approach unto God, to get close enough to God to hear Him tell us what He wants. So here's what we propose, Moses. You're our spiritual leader. God's the one that sent you to us in the first place. You seem to have a pretty good connection with Him. So why don't you go ahead and go into the presence of the Lord on our behalf? You hear... What the Lord has to say, bring it back to us, and we'll do it. We'll be obedient. I can't help but wonder how many there, there are that sit in church. They come to the house of the Lord, and they're willing to be taught what God expects and what God says. And maybe in their heart, they really believe, I'm even willing to be obedient to the Lord and to do what He expects of me. But how many of those people are content to let someone else go to God on their behalf? I think I, I told you the other night as I was giving my testimony that there was a time in my life where really so much of my faith was rooted in what I had been taught by my parents or my pastor or my grandparents along the way. And I was really content to kind of live in this, this state of faith, not just in God, but what, in, what other people had told me about him. But when God really got a hold of my life and, and showed me that there was something greater for me, and that was to know him personally, that he was to be my God, not just my father's God, I realized that it wasn't enough to simply allow other people to go to God on my behalf and bring a message to me. Now, it's important that we do that. It's important God has us in, in places and, and, and puts people in churches where there are, uh, are, are pastors that, that bring the word of God. And that's a, it's a right thing. It's a good thing. Uh, the, the nation of Israel, they did have Moses. God had put him in their lives to be a, a mouthpiece, a voice. But listen, God didn't only want his connection to his people to be through the man Moses. His desire was that they would know him, that they would hear from him, that they would have a personal relationship with him. As I said earlier, he said, you'll be to me as sons and daughters. I'll be to you as a father. A father communicates with his children. He fellowships with his children. He has a relationship with his children. And that was God's desire for his people. But his people didn't have the same desire. They said, Moses, it's okay. You go to God. We'll be obedient. We'll do what he says. We're not trying to live in rebellion against God. But we're willing to kind of sit back on the sidelines and think of this. We're willing to let you experience the presence of God. You can just bring us the message of God. Folks, I believe that God would have us to desire His presence. 
Not only to desire to know and understand the Bible so that someone could teach us, but that he would have us to actually desire to know him and to draw nigh to him and personally fellowship with God. That's his desire for us. And as believers in Christ, saved, born-again Christians, it ought to be our desire to be in his presence. And I would say to you that if, if you are saved tonight and you don't desire to be in the presence of God, something is wrong. You should never be content to let someone else go to God on your behalf. You should seek and desire to know the Lord personally. Philippians chapter 3 is probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. People ask, what's your life verse? I, I tell them Philippians 3. It's the whole chapter. As Paul is talking about his life before Christ and, and kind of his resume there and, and just how righteous he was, self-righteous as a, a Pharisee there. And, and then he talks about his conversion experience. He says, what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He, here's what he was saying. He said, when, when I got saved, my passions, my desire, my hunger changed. I was no longer so interested in having this, this image this, that the world could see of righteousness. I was more concerned about knowing God personally. And he said in verse number 10, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That, that, that became his life's ambition. His heart's desire was to know God. He began to talk about the resurrection of the dead and what he would be one day in the presence of the Lord. But he said, not as though I had already attained or e either were already perfect. He said, I haven't reached the point yet where I'm satisfied with my relationship with God. This is the Apostle Paul. And he said, but I follow after. And that's, that's where he, he gives that famous verse in verse number 14 where he says I forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus he said I am living my life pursuing a goal and that goal is to know God that ought to be the heart of every child of God I want to know him and in knowing him I want to be like him I don't want to be content just to have this kind of nominal faith where it's just something I do on Sundays or Wednesdays or a list of rules and do's and don'ts and the way I ought to live my life. I want to have a living faith because I serve a living God. I want it to be real. I want it to be sincere. I want it to be authentic. But the children of Israel, they were content to let go, someone else go to God on their behalf. And the reason was, not only were they content, the reason they were content to do that is because they were carnal. They were fleshly. How do I know that? Well, look with me, if you would, in verse number 25. Their response to the presence of God was this. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us if we hear the voice of our Lord God, of the Lord God, our God, any more then we shall die. For who is there of all flesh 
that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Well, what an interesting question. Who, Moses, do you know anyone who's ever heard God speaking out of a fire and actually lived to tell about it? Uh, let me think. There was this one time I was walking through the wilderness and there was this bush that was on fire. You know, God speaks to people. They had just heard from God, but they said, no, we're too afraid. We're fearful. That was the reason that they gave. We don't want to go into the presence of God because we are fearful because our God is a consuming fire and we're afraid that we're going to die. We fear God. That was their excuse. We fear God. But I want you to know that even though that was their excuse, it wasn't the truth. They did not fear God. How do I know that? Because God said so. Look down, if you will, to verse number 28. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when he spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people, which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. Look at verse 29. Oh, that there were such in heart in them that they would fear me. God said, no, their problem isn't that they fear me. Their problem is that they don't fear me. The problem is that they came into the presence of God. And by the way, when you come into the presence of God, you begin to realize just how holy he is and how unholy we are. And it is a fearful thing. It ought to be something that causes us to have some, some, some trepidation and some fear as we understand that God is a holy God and that we are an unholy people. And, and, but, but the response should not be, fine, I'm never going to draw nigh to God. The response should be, then Lord, cleanse me that I might be worthy to come into your presence. But their heart was, he says, that there, that, oh, that there were such in heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. He said, the problem with this people and the reason that they are afraid to come into my presence is because their heart is so hard, they don't want to submit to me. They don't want to obey me. They say that they will, but th that's not what their heart really is. I can't help but think that sometimes the reason that we don't draw nigh to God is because in our heart we may be hard-hearted and rebellious and not really all that desirous to submit to his authority. You don't come into the king's presence with an arrogant and prideful attitude. You, you come humbly before the Lord, but they weren't humble. So they said, we're just going to distance ourselves. We'll let Moses go to God because in reality, they didn't want to change. They wanted to be what they were. But I want you to know tonight that coming into God's presence, God expects of us holiness and righteousness. In fact, I, I want to show you this from Scripture because I don't want you to think that this is just the words of some preacher. Go with me to Psalms, the, the book of Psalms, and the, the 24th chapter, Psalm 24. And I want you to notice these words. It asks a question and then it answers the question. In verse number 3 of Psalm 24, it says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? This is talking about the temple of the Lord. Ascending 
You understand that the temple was set on a hill in Jerusalem, which was also at a higher elevation. You always see in Scripture that people go up to Jerusalem because it was an ascension. And then the temple itself was set on a hill. And so when you, when you would go into the temple, the presence of the Lord, you would ascend into that place, which is a really incredible picture when you think about it. When we go to meet with God, we, we've got to ascend because he's higher than we are. He is above us. But he says, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place, the, the place of his presence? Then it answers the question in verse 4. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Who, who can come into the presence of the Lord? Well, you're not going to come into the presence of the Lord without clean hands. Without a pure heart. Now... That might seem to you like an impossible thing because we're all sinners, right? We're all defiled by sin. This is a problem that we all have. So how can I come into the presence of the Lord if I'm not clean? Well, we have promises in the Bible, such as 1 John 1 and verse 9, where the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, he invites us into his presence and he even offers us the cleansing that is necessary to be in his presence. The only way that man can come unto God is because of what God has already done in sending his son to die for us and shedding his blood and giving us a way that we now have access unto God by the blood of Jesus Christ. But folks, when we come into his presence, we ought to be looking within and asking ourselves, is there something in my life between me and the Lord? And we ought to confess that to Him so that we have fellowship with our God. But God wants us to be cleansed when we come into His presence. James chapter 4 and verse number 8 is a famous verse. It says, draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh unto you. That's a tremendous promise. But then He gives us instructions. He says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And purify your hearts, ye double-minded. If you want to draw nigh unto God, you need to be cleansed. And by the way, if there's someone here tonight, you've never received forgiveness from God, you've never received the cleansing that He offers from His blood, you cannot come into the presence of God. You, you'll never be good enough to get to God on your own, no matter how good you try to be, no matter how religious you are. You will never get to God. The only way that we have access to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But if you will come to the Father through Jesus Christ, you can know the presence of God. Isn't that great to know? But they were carnal. They didn't want that. They weren't willing to be cleansed that they might draw nigh unto God. They wanted to be close enough to experience his blessings, but far enough that it didn't require or cost them anything. And folks, I just want to say to you, we need to get out of this mindset that I'm willing to be close enough to God to get some of the benefits and blessings of a life lived for the glory of God, but I want to stay far enough away from God, or I'm willing to stay far enough away from God that it doesn't cost me anything. We ought to desire the presence of God so desperately and so deeply that we're willing to allow him to do whatever is necessary in our lives. Amen. That we might draw nigh unto him. 
And then as we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 5, they were content and they were carnal, but I want you to notice they were also cut out. They were cut out of the blessing of being able to experience the presence of the Lord because God doesn't twist anyone's arm. You know, there are people out there, we would call them Calvinists, those who believe in something they call irresistible grace, that if God basically wants someone to be saved, they're going to be saved whether they like it or not, and he'll just drag them kicking and screaming. And I'll tell you, that's not the God of the Bible. <clears throat> yes, God draws. Yes, God convicts. He works in hearts, and he, he invites us to come unto himself. But if you don't want God, he's not going to force himself on you. You can reject him. In fact, the Bible talks in the book of Psalms in, in regard to the nation of Israel when they were complaining about the manna that he was uh, giving them in the, in the wilderness there. And, and the Bible says that he gave them their request, but he sent leanness into their souls. In other words, God did what they were asking him to do, even though it wasn't what was best for them. And they regretted it, ultimately. God doesn't force himself upon anyone. And so when, when the Israelites said, no, we don't want to be with God. We don't want to be in the presence of God. Moses, you go. Here's what God said. Okay. He, he didn't force them. He didn't say, no, no, you're going to meet with me every single day. We're going to meet at this mountain and I'm going to talk to you whether you like it or not. He didn't say that. He just said, they've well said. Their heart's not right with me. But notice his heart. He said, oh, that there were such an heart in them. I mean, his desire was, I, 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 just des I, I wish, I want for them that they would humble themselves and come before me because they're, they would be, I, I would be able to bless them in ways that they could never comprehend. But because that heart is not in them, then, verse 30, go say to them, get you into your tents again. But as for thee, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which thou shalt teach them. Okay, Moses, they don't want to be in my presence. Here's what you do. Send them home. But Moses, you stay right here. You stay in my presence. You experience the presence of God. And then take my message to those hard-hearted people. They missed out on what God wanted for them. But Moses would have the privilege of being in the presence of God. Though they, by their own will and by their own choice, chose to neglect it and ignore it. And I want you to go with me, if you would, back to the book of Psalms. Psalm 103. I want you to see something here that I think is a really powerful truth in regard to God's relationship with Israel as well as his relationship to Moses. I think it kind of sums it all up. Psalm 103 in verse number 7, here's what it says. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The nation of Israel, if you would have asked them, how great is your God? Tell me how great your God is. They could have talked about the works of God. They could have talked about the, the crossing of the Red Sea, the water that came out of the rock, the, the manna that fell in the wilderness. They could have talked about 
the, the pillar of fire that led them by night and the cloud by day. They could have talked about God's hand as he uh, conquered the, the nations before them as they went into the promised land. They saw the works of God and the acts of God. But Moses knew the ways of God. I'm burdened when I see God's people who can tell you of the works of God. They can tell you the Bible stories that they learned in church, maybe some basic things about the Bible. They can talk about the way that God has worked in maybe their lives or the lives of their family, things like that. I'm burdened by the number of people that know the works of God, but don't know the ways of God. That don't really know Him. I want to be like Moses. God spoke with Moses face to face. I want to know him. I want to know his heart. I want to know him personally. How about you? Are you willing to draw near unto God? To allow him to cleanse you? To allow him to change you? It may be that as you seek the Lord, that there would be some things he wants to purge out of your life. Are you willing to have a heart that says, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to know you. I want to be in your presence. May I encourage you, don't be content to let someone else go to God for you. But seek him, draw nigh unto him that you may know his ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these few moments that we've been able to be in your word tonight. Lord, I don't know the needs of the hearts here but you know every single one of them, Father. You know my heart. You know my needs. And I pray that we as people, sinners as we are, Lord, would have a desire to seek you and to know you. We know, Father, that it is your will, it is your plan, it's your desire for us that we would draw nigh to you. You've invited us and told us if we'll seek you, we'll find you. But may we not allow our flesh and our carnality to get in the way where we would hold on to things that would keep us from drawing nigh unto you. And Father, if there be some here tonight that are struggling in that way, or maybe even some that are here without Christ, I pray that they would be willing to set aside whatever it is that's keeping them from coming to you, and that there would be a heart in them that they would fear you and seek you and know you. Lord, bless even in this invitation time, we pray. Help us, Lord, as your people to be honest and sincere before you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand with me tonight? As the piano begins to play, I just want to invite you to this altar. If you have some things that you want to pray about, you're welcome at this time to do that. If God's spoken to you in one way or another, if you'd rather do that right there in your seat, that's fine. If there's something you need to get right with God and talk to God about, now's a great time to begin seeking Him, to know Him.